If you're a founder, you know that fundraising is a big part of the job. What you might not know is that Carta is there to help. Carta's new fundraising suite provides startups of all stages the best tools and support to easily issue safes, accurately forecast solution, and quickly close funding rounds. Save time, money, and make your next round your best yet. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. Welcome to Inc.'s The Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. I'm Alexa, the founder of LearnVest, author of New York Times bestselling book, Financially Fearless, and second book, Financially Forward. I'm also the founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm focused on the entrepreneurs of the future. Each week, we sit down with a top founder to share their story of guts, inspiration, and drive. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Alexa Von Tobel. And this week, I'm really excited for you to meet Jack Altman, the co-founder and CEO at Lattice the leading people management platform for businesses with people-first cultures. Founded in 2015, Lattice has grown to support over 2,500 customers and growing, including Slack and Reddit, which ranked by Inc. as one of the fastest-growing private companies. The company has raised over $158 million to date, was most recently valued at being over a billion dollars. In addition to being CEO, Jack is the author of the Wall Street Journal best-selling book, People Strategy. Prior to launching Lattice, Jack was the VP of Business Development at Teespring, an e-commerce platform, and was also an early-stage venture investor in companies like Opendoor, Flexport, and PlanGrid. Jack earned his bachelor's degree in economics from Princeton in 2011. Let's welcome Jack. Hi, Jack. Hi, thanks for having me. It's just amazing all that you've accomplished in a really short period of time. But let's just keep it simple. Let's go back to the beginning and let's talk a little bit about first, what is Lattice and what was the problem that you were trying to solve? Yeah, Lattice is a people management platform. And so what we build is a bunch of tools that enable managers and people ops leaders to better manage engage, develop, retain their employees of their companies. And so this is tools like performance management, employee engagement surveys, infrastructure to help uh, with career management. And basically what we try to do is support companies that believe in being people-centric. And so what that means to us is companies that believe by driving employees' success and by seeing that as the starting point to a successful business, those are the kinds of cultures and companies that we want to support and that our products are built for. To take you back to the beginning, we might, we being me and my co-founder had worked together at a company called Teespring and it was an amazing company. It was growing super fast. And when we got past hundred or 150 employees, at some point, the culture just started to sort of naturally fray. And it wasn't because anybody did anything intentionally wrong. It was just because we didn't invest in all of these things. And it turns out it's really unnatural to manage a group of hundreds of humans in a happy, coherent way. It takes a lot of effort. And so we sort of set out to build products working towards that. What was the aha moment when you were like, I've got to go build this. This is going to be my life's work. Let's go. I think the ahas came in sequence, not all at once. So I don't think that we started with this spark of genius where we realized this is what Lattice is going to be. And we saw this clear vision and we knew exactly where it fit in the world. It was instead our belief that there was a real problem here and that we were at the point in our lives when we wanted to start a company, we wanted to work together. We thought we had some ideas for it, but it's really been an ongoing labor of love and a realization of thing after thing after thing that has sort of supported, but in many ways also evolved our our understanding of the problem and the solution. So I don't know that there was one moment of, aha, here's the solution, but I think the problem resonated deeply. And then I think we sort of like earned 
the insights over time. Lattice went through the renowned Y Combinator program in 2016, which of course your brother ran for many, many years. Why go through Y Combinator? Talk to us a little bit through that decision and also what you really learned or what you felt like you got out of it. I think there are like two things that YC did really importantly for us. And you know, there, there's a lot of small things as well. One is there's a real power in the early days to having a cohort around you. So like so many of us, we're used to working at a company when we, you know, we leave college and we work at some corporation or we have, you know, colleagues, we join a startup. You start a company and all of a sudden you're back to just the founders and it's lonely and it's kind of undirected or it's self-directed, but you don't always have that compass. And so having a cohort around you of other founders and teams who every week get back together, both to share stories, trade ideas, in some ways to have a shared sense of pressure and gosh, I need to show up at that Tuesday night dinner and have made some progress, so I'm not embarrassed. I think there's some real value to being in that sort of just like team cohort. It's kind of like the difference between working out by yourself versus going to an exercise class or something like that. Like you pick stuff up, you get a little pressure. And the other thing that I think is really important from YC, and kind of like you mentioned, like everybody else, I had heard this stuff and I had read it and it wasn't anything new, but focusing on the in the early days on the only essential parts of a startup, and there's really just two. There's building a product and then there's acquiring and keeping users. And that's it. And YC really drills into you that everything else, and there is so much else, um, everything else is cruft. And in the early days, you don't need to do any of it. You don't need to talk to press. You don't need to go do a million investor meetings. You don't need to go to road shows or you don't need to like be at events. You don't need to be doing all this stuff that so many of us get you don't need to go try to do partnerships. There's so much that we all get caught up in and it seems reasonable, but all you need in the early days of a startup is to build a great product and talk to users. And YC really helps remind you of those essential activities. Well, you perfectly just teed up my next question, Jack, which is walk us through the customer experience of Lattice and what does it feel like to go through Lattice? What does that look like? How many times a year am I going through it? Who sees it? Who does it get shared with? And how does it make a company stronger? There's three basic pillars of Lattice. There's performance management, there's employee engagement surveys, and there's grow, which is career development. And each of those have a bunch of different components to them. So I'll talk a little bit about each, but performance management was where we got started. So I'll start with that. Typically what you would do today is much more frequent and much lighter weight feedback than you would have done in the past. So 10, 15, 20 years ago, what was the most common pattern was once a year, you do this very heavy performance review, it's very hierarchical, it's top down, it's based on goals, there's ratings. It was like the most anxiety producing thing of all time. The lattice experience is one that's meant to be really employee centric. It's meant to be there for the employee's benefit. And it's not meant to be, you know, how do we give them cupcakes and ping pong tables and just like make them sort of superficially happy. It's meant to be, how do we drive growth, understanding, value, community, a sense that somebody cares. And so the last experience looks typically like two performance reviews a year. Some customers do four. We do still have some that do one. There's feedback that you'd be getting throughout the year. So hopefully you're using our modules where it's not like you just get surprised every six months, but we really encourage people to give feedback all the time. There's a one-on-ones product inside performance reviews. And that's basically all about helping managers and the employee communicate on a weekly basis to make sure that those conversations have you know, connection between one to the next, that there's good follow through on the items. Um, and then there's goal setting. And so there's a tool that helps you set and track pretty lightweight and flexible goals. And that overall system is meant to sort of smash the historical 
performance review of old with a hammer and break it out over the course of the year and put the employee at the center of it. And so hopefully an employee going through that knows where they stand, they've gotten good feedback, they understand what's up in their, you know, their career and what they need to be doing to get to the next spot. So that's what our that's what performance management looks like in Lattice. Employee engagement surveys is basically all about the mentality that a company should think of their employees as their customer. And I think in the past, the power balance was such that employees were just grateful to be there. And the employer, you know, human resources, that name even is like, oh, we have this asset. We 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 purchased this, you know, person's 40 hours per week, and this is one of our assets, and we're gonna use this asset. And in today's world, it's like, no, that's not that's not the way it works. You're actually very lucky to have that employee there. There's more choice than ever for employee for employees. And so as that power balance has shifted, you really need to think of employees as your customer. And just like you would run surveys to your customer, you'd ask them how they're doing, you'd make updates, you would change things. That's what employee engagement surveys are all about, is how do we understand what's working for the people that work at our company? How do we improve? Um, how can we commit to changing things? And then an ongoing cycle. And then our grow product is basically about helping employees understand like what's the future for them going to be. The insight there was we heard so many people who have been in the workforce for you know, 10, 20, 30 years get really frustrated with the new entrants to the workforce who they thought were entitled, were asking for promotions really quickly, wanted to be the CEO in six months after college, all of this stuff. And people were, you know, we heard so many people be like, gosh, I'm just so frustrated by these, you know, newer cohorts of workers into the workforce who just want so much to happen for them so fast. And our thought was, well, you can you can try to fight that tide and you can complain about it, or you can actually channel that ambition and say, all right, you want to get ahead? Like, that's awesome. We want to support you. I'm going to be there with you. As your manager, I'm going to coach you. But here's clarity on what it takes for you to become a manager, to become a VP, to become a CEO. And here's what's expected of you in that role. Here's where you're at today. And if you want to do the work to get there, I will dig in with you as your manager. I'll support you. But we got to get there together. And we think that's like the, the way to sort of approach to approach talent. So, okay, you got early product market fit. You built these three really important places. You said, let's change the mentality. It's not human resources, actually this, this asset of ours. Let's treat them beautifully. Let's, let's empower them. Let's make them want to work here. How did you then think about the go-to-market strategy and also how to charge the, the companies? You know, again, uh, you now are in 2,500 companies and rapidly growing. That number's probably even out to date, um, out of date. You've got huge organizations on it. How did you think about go to market? Well, on the pricing side, you know, so I'm a little embarrassed to admit we didn't do anything terribly innovative. We did a pretty standard SaaS model where we build per user per year, um, and we kind of picked pricing reasonably early on based on some early conversations and what we saw in the market. And we haven't changed it all that much. Um, I think we are sort of competitively priced, we're probably a little bit more expensive than the average product in the market, but not crazily so. And I think, you know, we deliver a service where I don't think price is, I don't think price is the blocker in customer conversation. So we sort of just picked a really standard SaaS model and that's been working well for us and we stuck with that. I think like we didn't try to do anything usage-based or complex. We, we had talked about some of those ideas, but none of them really stuck with us. Um, so that's what we've been doing. In terms of size of companies, types of companies, who thought your early adopters would be? What does that look like? And again, try to give us a little bit more detail for everybody out there who's building a B2B SaaS tool and trying to figure out where do I start? Yeah, walk us through the rawness of how you thought about it. I'll give you two dimensions of our go-to-market. One about the, the nature of marketing versus like outbound sales, and then the other in terms of what market segment we went after. 
So we tried since the early days, a lot of marketing on one hand, which, you know, you'll see Lattice do tons of marketing, like with the book and like, you know, there's ads everywhere. You go to a subway, like we're everywhere. And like, that's very core to the strategy. Um, we've also, you know, since the beginning have tried outbound sales in a much more traditional, like direct sales model. What we've found is that while in recent years, we've actually been able to make some progress on outbound now that we've got like more of a brand air cover. And so it is working now. In the early days, it was incredibly inefficient and hard to get people to buy Lattice with outbound sales. And I think for people who are considering what type of go-to-market might work better for them, you kind of have to think from the user's perspective of what's going to make them buy when and why. And so if you think about Lattice, it's actually really hard. And we started in performance reviews. It's really hard to convince somebody in June that they desperately should buy Lattice by the end of the month because they're not doing a performance review till January or whatever. And, or, or maybe they don't have one planned at all. And so you're not, unlike Salesforce, where every day that goes by, Salesforce can make an argument to you that you're leaving revenue on the table by not having Salesforce and not streamlining your process and you know all this stuff. Lattice has not had that experience. What Lattice needs to do is by the time somebody decides, okay, I'm ready, for a performance management solution or I need an employee engagement survey. We want them to think of us and we want to be in that conversation and then we want to have the best product. So because of that, we've, because of the nature of how people decide to buy, we've had to really heavily lean on marketing and inbound. And that's been what's worked for us basically since the beginning. In terms of like the customer size, we've, we've definitely broadened over time, but I think the mid-market has been where we've most resonated and let's call the mid-market like 50 to 2000 employees. And we definitely have customers who are smaller than 50. We definitely have customers that are, you know, well north of 2000. But I think what we've found in terms of where, you know, our 80% of our customer base lies is below a certain size, it's actually really not that important to have a tool like Lattice. If you're 17 people, it's nice and it can be useful, but it's not solving this terrible headache. And so as a result, we had a tougher time going to market with them. The deal sizes are much smaller and retention's worse because they don't need it as badly. Then you go to the large enterprise, say 10, 20, 30,000 employees, and it actually becomes like quite a different set of needs there. And you could build a product for it, but because Lattice's product strategy is to go so broad to build performance management and engagement surveys and career development, and we've got more and more stuff coming, um, and that's really fundamental to our strategy, going into the enterprise and doing all that complexity of what a 25,000 person company needs and trying to build all these products just requires so much investment that, you know, even though we've got a lot of people and a lot of capital, it's not enough to pull that off. And so we've really found resonance in this mid-market. Um, so Jack, if you step back and you think about the last five years, what was the hardest thing that you personally had to go through to make Lattice successful? What was the part that you were like, this was pretty challenging for us, or this really made you have to change your mindset, grow, do something that felt hard. What was hard? Well, as always, things that look pretty on the outside are difficult and challenging and arduous on the inside. That is like, that is just been always true. So no matter how green the grass looks somewhere, like know that everybody's going through the same struggles and like nothing comes easy. And it, it, the last few rounds have come much more easily, but at our series B, like nobody would do it. So, you know, like that was, months and false starts and difficulty and so many no's. I can't tell you how many great investors I could name that looked at our Series B and were just like, 
nah, we don't see it. We're not, we're, it's, this isn't going to happen. And that was really hard. You know, like that was, I, that, I'm actually going to talk about a hard moment, but that was, that was hard. So just, just know that when you're out there, this round, whatever round you're going through might be difficult, but it's, it's hard until it's not. And your business isn't working until it is. And it's just part of the, it's just part of the story and like part of what makes the whole experience a beautiful one. The hardest moment for me by far was the COVID experience. And so many of us went through that. But in the first few months after COVID, we had to do a layoff after our business like really fell flat for a quarter. Um, and we'd been on this hiring you know, spree like leading up into COVID and then COVID hit and overnight, just the landscape for purchasing HR software dramatically changed. And we had all the wrong headcount and capacity and it just made no sense anymore. And it was a really hard call because the world was in tremendous flux still. Like we had no idea was this gonna get, you know, in like June, was this gonna get way worse? Is this gonna get better over what time frame? What's going on here? Are we like, you know, people are going back to the office or not? We have like no idea what's going on. And we we had to like look that decision in the eye and say like, you know, how do we how do we operate here? We ended up deciding to do a layoff and it was it was brutal. And you know, it's not a unique experience. A whole lot of companies, including so many of our customers, had to do, you know, reductions in force. And luckily for all of us, like the world rebounded really quickly. And by like the end of the year, so many companies were back into the full swing of hiring. And some of those people were able to get hired back on their feet really quickly and all of that. But that was that was painful. You have such an interesting position. You get to see the future of work. I mean, you're literally staring at it every day. You're building it in your software. Talk a little bit about any predictions you have. It can be one, two, whatever, that is just so obvious to you that's going to happen in the next decade around the way that we work here in this country um, that you want to share with everybody. So any predictions? This is very general. This is more thematic. But I think the trend toward power sitting with employees is going to just continue taking off. I think it's going to become obvious very quickly over the coming decade that all of the power and all of the value rests with the employee. And as a result, I think capital and founders will end up getting smaller slices of the pie relative to employees. So I think this will show up in bigger comp packages. I think it'll show up in companies needing to like do more things to compete for talent, whether it's giving people flexibility or the ability to work from anywhere or whatever it takes to get employees because as all of these companies are just becoming information knowledge worker driven businesses, what drives them? It's the people at them and all money is green. Starting a company is less risky than it's been in the past and the hard work of grinding out the scaling and the growth and the building of the company is where the value lies. And so I think we're going to continue to see that trend, which has already very much been playing out that, you know, I'm talking my own book here because Lattice is predicated on this trend, but I think that there's just like no way that that doesn't continue. Alexa here. Not only do I get the opportunity to speak with all types of founders on, for starters, but I'm a repeat founder myself. We all know how vital fundraising is to a startup. Carden knows this too. That's why they had founders in mind when they created their fundraising suite, providing tools and support to take the friction out of fundraising. They save founders time and money, allowing you to focus on your goals, not the admin work needed to close around. From simply issuing safes to quickly receiving funds, Carta Fundraising Suites helps their cap table customers raise a better fundraising round. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise.
I want to talk a little bit about you. First of all, what did your parents do to be able to have so many wonderful, talented children? What was it like growing up? Gave us a sense of how your family created so many phenomenal entrepreneurs. Well, we grew up in a suburb of St. Louis, and we had a pretty, I would say, like, normal American suburban life, kind of. Like, it was not, you know, like, I then spent a lot of time on the East Coast after college, and now I've been out here. And it was really different than these, like, intense coastal places where there's so much competition and drive and um I thought as a kid that was really nice like we played capture the flag around the neighborhood I went to public school like it was a pretty idyllic and chill childhood in many ways and I like didn't you know I didn't feel like I was missing out by not being you know sort of super prepped for a future career when I was nine years old or getting put into tons of lessons or like a lot of that intensity that I think you know, now living in the Bay Area and having lived in New York that I think so many people live, which is not, there's nothing wrong with any of that. It's just a different thing. And that was kind of what happened for us. I think we were like pretty self-directed. Like my mom likes to talk about how like at dinner when we were kids, it was very aggravating for her because we would like want to do, you know, math competition puzzles against each other all all dinner. But it, it was a pretty low pressure, chill childhood, I think. Um, when you talk about your growth as a CEO, what did you feel like you learned about yourself that you could pay it forward to other people that maybe surprised you? So what was the most surprising part of running a business? And again, you you had a front row seat, YC, seeing businesses get built, listening to every podcast, every ounce of content that could exist from the best of the best. So you kind of went into this eyes wide open in a way that honestly, I feel like very few founders get a chance to, but what still surprised you? You know, it's funny you say that because you're totally right. I had seen it secondhand. I had heard about it. I had read about it. I listened to pot. You know, I had done all of that. And it still doesn't even give you, it's like the difference between reading about like wine tasting in South of France versus going to the South of France and tasting the wine or something. like. I don't even, I'm not a wine. I'm just like, that sounds like a place where people like to have wine. Um, and it, it, all of the reading, all of the studying, all of the hearing about it, it just is, it's a fraction of the experience of, of what it really is to, to do it. And I think about that often, this difference between knowing and experiencing and how deeply that makes you understand something versus not. And for me, I could hear all about how difficult it is to start a company and how much you give to yourself and how much it changes you and what a rich experience it is, but what a, you know, life altering one. And it's just not the same as doing it. And it, and it is all of it. And, you know, I, I just became a parent um, like a year and a half ago. And it's the same sort of thing where you can read all about it, you hear all about it, and then you have a kid. And now you've actually had your lens on the world change. And it's, it's not the same as hearing about it. So it wasn't the same. I think what I would say about it is I think there is no way that it doesn't change you. Like start running, starting and running a company definitely changes you. And I think it mostly changes you for the better. There are ways in which it, you know, there, there are things about me that have changed that I'm like, oh, I kind of missed the version of me before this company. But I think for the most part, it's like positive stuff, but just like give you some examples of things that are funky. You have to become comfortable with trading off people's interests and making lots of decisions that negatively impact people who you care about. There's no other way to run a good company. You have to do it. And there's, there's a certain mentality and a certain callousness that you unfortunately have to develop 
in order to be able to do those effectively. And, you know, we, we've made, we ended up making a value out of something sort of like this at Lattice, which is like ship ship made self, which is we put the company first, we put our teammates second, we put ourselves last. Um, and so we sort of tried to, you know, inculcate that idea because, you know, it's not just the CEO who has to make those decisions. Everyone's doing that. But the the volume of things like that is something that's difficult. On the positive side, of which I would say there's more, you learn a lot about yourself, like more than learning facts about how to run a business or how to, you know, manage a sales team or how to recruit engineers or how to launch a second product or what, like, and you learn an unbelievable amount of stuff like that. But I think the most interesting stuff that you learn is about yourself going through this ultra marathon that is compressed into a relatively short period of time. You just, you just have to confront yourself in a way that I've never had to or gotten to experience before. Last big question for you, just in terms of like habits. I feel like the best founders, the best CEOs have weird quirky habits or things that they just swear by. It can be an early bedtime. It can be an exercise. It can be a meditation or it can be a new app. Is there any weird quirk that you have that you it just keeps you sane or, or stable in this period of an intense marathon? Sometimes I worry that I'm not one of those great founders because I don't have a lot of these quirks. <laughs> and it's not just that quirk. Like I meet a lot of founders of these amazing companies and I'm like, oh, you're weird and you're a genius. And like, I'm not like that. Like I, I think I'm pretty like, you know, I don't want to say like um, average, but I think I am pretty typical in terms of the way I live my life and comport myself and all of these different things. So I don't know that I have one. I think I just think of myself as like a regular person running a company. I do have ways I like to decompress, but they're like pretty typical, like, you know, walks with my family, playing video games, exercise. So I don't know that I have any of these oddities. I don't wake up at 4am. In fact, I love sleeping till eight if I can. Um, I don't do anything crazy. Yeah. I want to end on a quick fire round. I'm just going to ask you quick questions. First thing that comes to mind as quick as you can. Um, best interview question that you like to ask on whether or not you want to hire somebody on the team. What, what's the thing you like to ask to get to the core of somebody? I like to ask a question and then I like to keep asking until the person can't find any more details about it. And so if I'm talking to somebody about something they did at their last company, I will go all the way down and really make sure that they did it and understood every nook and cranny and see how deep they can go. I really like that one. That's a new one. That's a really good one. I like that a lot. Um, what's your biggest pinch me moment to date at Lattice? It was pretty early on, and I talked about this in my book, but there was this moment when we were maybe 20 or 25 employees, and I just looked up out at the office, and I saw all of these people buzzing and happy and talking to each other and doing things that I didn't know what they were doing anymore, and it was my first, wow, this company is bigger than me moment. I love that. That's rad. Um, fast forward two years. How many days a week are we going to be in an office? Two. <laughs> I love it. By the way, no one's ever said five, which is such an interesting fact. Um, uh, other than Lattice, what's one startup that you want to pay it forward to of any kind? And I know you do a ton of angel investing. Lattice has a really cool angel investing thing that you guys do where you do 100K for somebody who's leaving the company, which is also so rad. And I love that about you. Um, but what's one startup you want to give a shout out to? Oh, gosh. I don't know if I want to name a startup because it feels unfair. But I, I do want to say, uh, just on that lattice thing, if that's okay, nope. um, I highly recommend to other companies doing this. I think this is like a great example of an employee-friendly perk to invest in employees when they leave and start companies and to sort of say, we don't just care about you while you're at our company, but 
we're proud to have people go on and start companies and we want to be part of that journey. So I'll name all the Lattice employees who went out and started companies. Other than your own book, which obviously is amazing and everybody should go out and buy, what is one book that changed your life? Oh, I love the book Siddhartha by Herman Hesse. That book is really, really great, and I love it. Oh, that makes me so happy. It's on my short list. It's literally in a pile that I'm like, you know, it's getting dust right now, but um, that's really good to hear. Um, Jack, thank you so much for joining us today. Everybody out there, if you want to learn more about Lattice, head to lattice.com. Uh, Jack, you are an absolute treasure, and everybody can join us next week for Ink the Founders Project with Alexa Montobel. Let's give a sincere thank you to Jack. Thank you, Jack. Thank you.